Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Good morning, faithful listeners, and happy Thursday. Today we're in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13 to be specific. We're in a new chapter. We're going to be talking about the first missionary works of the early church. Now, we do see that a few of the disciples had already done a little bit of missionary work, but now this is the first like organized missionary work that we are going to see the church actually do. And they're going to be sending Paul and Barnabas along with John Mark. So let's read Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 12 today. As usual, I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. But please feel free to pause the podcast to go grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea this morning. And also the version of the Bible that you usually read out of. And once you're done with that, let's enjoy reading Acts 13, 1 through 12 together. Now in the assembly that was at Antioch, there were some prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, the foster brother of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they served the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate Barnabas and Saul for me, for the work to do which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. From there they sailed to Cyprus. When they were at Salamis, they proclaimed God's word in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their attendant. When they had gone through the isles to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Pallas, a man of understanding. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fastened his eyes on him and said, You son of the devil, full of all deceit and all cunning, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is on you, and you will be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. Immediately, a mist and darkness fell on him. He went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul, when he saw what was done, believed being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So we're back in Antioch now, and this is where Paul and Barnabas were. They were at Antioch to grow the church there. And the church in Antioch just really took off. It was like the first major hub of like a Gentile church that took off. So the church now in verse one mentions that it had many preachers and leaders. Barnabas was one of them. And then it says that they had Simeon, who was also called Niger. Now, the term Niger obviously means black. So there's actually some debate whether or not this was the same Simeon that helped Jesus carry the cross, because we know that the Simeon that helped Jesus carry the cross was from Cyrene. And uh, Cyrene was an area of Africa. So that Simeon who helped Jesus with the cross most likely was a black man. So it is possible that this is the same Simeon that helped Jesus with the cross. So it's kind of an interesting little thing, though there's debate on that. They're not really sure. So then it goes on to say that they also had this man named Lucius of Cyrene and then a guy named Manian, the foster brother of Herod the Tetrarch, 
So Mannion <laughs> grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. Remember Herod the Tetrarch? He was the creepy Herod. He was the creepy Herod that really liked his his stepdaughter. And uh, she did like a little dance for him. And he was really enjoying that. It was very, very creepy story. And he ended up killing John the Baptist because his stepdaughter asked for John the Baptist's head on a tray. And this is that Herod. This Mannion guy grew up with that particular Herod. And now Mannion is a teacher of the church in Antioch. So, man, I mean, Herod and Mannion, they they grew up in the same household, but they were certainly very different people. Herod obviously was a creep. Mannion became a staple in an early Gentile church. And then the last teacher they had was obviously Saul. So it says, as they served the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul for me for the work to which I have called them. So it says that these leaders were regularly ministering to God, meaning that they were praying, they were teaching, they were serving God, and they were also fasting to listen to what God wanted them to do. So it says that the Holy Spirit came to the the leaders of the church in Antioch and said to them, and this is really interesting because we don't often see the Holy Spirit speaking, but this is one of those times we see the Holy Spirit specifically speaking all on his own. And so that's why I don't believe that the Holy Spirit is just like God the Father, like zapping his power down on people. I believe the Holy Spirit is a separate entity who speaks and thinks and acts all on his own. So the Holy Spirit speaks to the leaders of the church in Antioch, and he says, separate Barnabas and Saul for me for the work to which I have called them. So this means that the Holy Spirit is now telling Saul and Barnabas to start their missionary work. And so that's what they do. It says when they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on Saul and Barnabas, they sent them away. So now the church, this growing church in Antioch, sets up the first like organized missionary trip for Saul and Barnabas to go and and preach the gospel to the whole world. So it mentions that Saul and Barnabas are sent out specifically by the Holy Spirit, once again in verse 4, and they go down to this area called Seleucia, and then from there they sailed to Cyprus, and then they were at Salamis. So we see three cities that Saul and Barnabas end up going to to preach the gospel. It says, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed God's word in the Jewish synagogues, and they also had John as their attendant. Now this would be John Mark. Because remember that John Mark had gone with um, Saul and Barnabas before to like assist them. So he's he's tagging along as well. So finally, they reach this area called Paphos, which was an island. And apparently this island, when I looked it up, was very promiscuous. Like it was a very promiscuous area of the Roman world. And so they find this sorcerer who lived there. And it mentions three things about this. Well, four things actually about this guy. First and foremost, he was a sorcerer. Secondly, he was a false prophet. Thirdly, he was a Jew. And fourthly, his name was Bar Jesus. So there's, <laughs> there is a lot going on with this guy. Okay. He's a sorcerer. He's a Jew. He's a false prophet. So man, I mean, this guy is just living 
a non-Jewish life, even though he's he's claiming to be a Jew. And so that's something you have to be careful about just in day to day life is there are plenty of of religious, quote unquote, religious people out there who don't actually follow the teachings of the Bible. Just as it mentions this Jewish man was doing, he was a Jewish man and yet he was practicing sorcery and he was involved in the occult, something that God said cannot be a part of Jewish life at all. And yet that's what this Jewish man was doing. And he was also a false prophet, meaning he was teaching other people to do the same things that he was doing. He was teaching them to not follow the Old Testament law as it was properly supposed to be followed. So once again, it's very important to watch out for the people that you encounter to see if they truly are living the Christian life. Because anybody, truly anybody on earth can claim to be a Christian. That doesn't mean they are a Christian, though. It depends on how they are living and what their heart is. Now, of course, we can't see the heart. We can't read the heart. Only God can. But Jesus did say that you will know somebody by the fruit that they produce. So if the fruit is bad, like if they're doing bad things and they claim to be a Christian, obviously they are not a Christian. But if they are producing good fruit, like they're doing good things and um, teaching God's word the right way, then we have a better grasp of whether or not that person is a Christian based upon what they are doing. Now, this man, Bar-Jesus, was claiming to be a Jewish man, yet wasn't following any of the principles of Judaism. Now, it's interesting that this guy's name was Bar-Jesus, okay, because that actually means son of Jesus. So there's a lot going on with this guy. (laughs) He's Jewish, but he's called son of Jesus, and yet he's a sorcerer, and he's also a false teacher. So man, this guy is the whole bag, right? And so it turns out that Luke doesn't even want to call him Bar-Jesus. So he uses Bar-Jesus's other given name, which is Elymas, to describe him. So anyway, this sorcerer was a friend of the proconsul of Paphos, okay? And this proconsul was named Sergius Pallas, and he was a man of understanding is what it says in verse 7. So Sergius Pallas had some understanding. He had a heart for truth. Even though he was friends with a sorcerer, and even though he was a Roman man and and most likely followed Roman gods, he still wanted to understand the truth. So he ends up calling Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, to come and speak to him about Jesus. And by the way, a proconsul would have been a Roman official of that area. He would have been like the leader of Paphos, basically. So Saul and Barnabas go to speak to this Sergius Pallas because Sergius Pallas really wanted to hear what Saul and Barnabas had to say. And so it says that Elymas, the sorcerer, or Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer, was there. And in verse 8, it says, but Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is by interpretation. (laughs) So that means that Luke is like, nah, I'm not calling him Bar-Jesus. So he was there and he was trying to turn the proconsul away from the faith so he's he's in the room with Sergius Pallas, the proconsul, the leader, and he's like, yeah, don't listen to these guys. You know, they don't know what they're talking about. Saul and Barnabas, they they, you know, are lying to you. So Saul in verse nine, who is also called Paul. And by the way, that's going to be his name from now on. Like Luke just sticks with Paul after this. And that's because Saul was a Roman citizen. 
and Saul was likely his given Jewish name and Paul was his given Roman name. So from now on, he's going to be referred to as Paul as he goes out to all the Gentile regions and is really starting to proclaim the message of God to the Romans. So Saul, who was also called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and fastened his eyes on this sorcerer, Elemis. And he says to the sorcerer, you son of the devil, full of all deceit and all cunning, you enemy of righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the ways of the Lord, the right ways of the Lord? So he's like calling him out. He's like, you do everything other than what God tells you to do. You claim to be a Jewish man, and yet you don't do anything. You don't follow anything that God tells you to follow. Are you going to continue to pervert all of God's correct and just and wise ways? So then in verse 11, Paul says, Now behold, the hand of the Lord is on you, and you're going to be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately after Paul says this to Elemas, Elemas's eyes become dark and he can't see anything anything. And he's like reaching around for somebody to lead him by the hand. And now don't forget the proconsul Sergius is watching all of this happening. You know, he's seeing what just happened to his friend and he turns to God <laughs> after this. It says that he was shocked. He was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So this means that it wasn't just the miracle of Elemas's eyes going blind he was hearing the teaching of Paul and Barnabas and he was starting to take it all in. And that was when, of course, Elemas, before he went blind, he was starting to see that his friend was turning towards God and was like, no, you don't want to be a follower of this Jesus. You don't want to be a follower of God the way you should be. You need to follow me and, and my teachings. And that is when Paul ends up striking this guy blind, basically, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So nowadays, I think somebody might read this and be like, that is so harsh. Like, why did Paul have to do this to this, you know, sorcerer man? Well, Paul had to do this because Sergius's faith and Sergius's heart and eternal life was way more important than this Elemis's guy's feelings or his eyes for that matter. And I think the church forgets this kind of stuff. Now, I, I talked yesterday on my Old Testament episode about how the church has compromised in the West, and not every church has done this, I should mention, but there are a lot of churches out there who compromise and just do what the world wants them to do instead of what God wants them to do. And the church is failing because of that. They're failing because when they compromise with what the world wants them to do, they are being advocates of this sorcerer, this sorcerer who is trying to get his friend to turn away from God. And the church is failing in that way. Where they're not wanting to hurt feelings the way Paul did here and not wanting to, you know, rock the boat too much because, oh, that might cause somebody to fall away from Christ. But look what ended up happening. The pro council in verse 12, when he saw what was done, he believed and he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. He was astonished at it because Paul spoke with so much conviction when he corrected Elemas, He spoke with conviction. I mean, what did Paul say here? He said he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he said, you son of the devil, full of deceit and cunning, you enemy of righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the ways of the Lord? I mean, Paul spoke with so much conviction there that it made the pro the leader of this entire area, 
become a Christian because of what Paul had done here. So the church needs to stop being so worried about people's feelings and they need to start actually teaching the gospel again because the gospel is not worried about feelings. The gospel is worried about eternal security. Like who cares about feelings in the long run if you're going to die and go to hell? The gospel is out there not to tell people, oh, you're just wonderful just the way you are. And, you know, everybody needs to sing Kumbaya together. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel says, hey, you're a sinner. And if you continue on in these sins, and if you don't believe in Jesus as your savior, you are going to die and you're going to die an eternal death. And we don't want that to happen to you. So that's why you need to listen to the gospel. And the church doesn't do that enough. And clearly it works because the first times we saw the gospel being preached in the the early church, like way, way back in Acts chapter three, when Peter is speaking to like Jerusalem, you know, after the, the, the Pentecost had happened, Peter's up there on his soapbox speaking to Jerusalem. And he's just like, you all are sinners because you killed Jesus. And the entire crowd was like, wow, you know, we're sinners. We need to change our ways because of this. And like thousands of people became Christians because Peter was honest with them. The gospel is about honesty. It's not about feelings. And so Paul here, speaking with the Holy Spirit, don't forget, condemns this evil man who is trying to get his friend to not believe in the gospel. And so you and I and all Christians who are serious about spreading the gospel need to be a little bit more like Peter and Paul, where we don't tolerate others who are trying to get people to not follow God. Because in the end, the gospel is about spreading the word of God to people who need it. And everybody needs it. So the church needs to stop worrying about feelings so much and they need to stop compromising on the truth. Alrighty, faithful listeners. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it made you think. And if you liked today's episode, I ask of all of you, go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you can rate a podcast and please rate the Bible Explained podcast five stars if you enjoyed it. And also leave a nice little written review as well. I love reading those. But faithful listeners, I will see you all on the next episode tomorrow, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up. Happy listening and God bless.